Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. From the South Street Seaport Studios, Lower Manhattan, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. In just the last five minutes, one of the strangest stories that we've seen come down in quite some time has come down, and I will share that in a few moments. Lakers and Nuggets last night, an interesting game and an interesting little setup they have there in the West. I'm going to get to that in a few. Keyshawn Johnson will join me today. A lot of stuff to get to, but there's really only one place that I will begin today, and that is with the loss of a legend. So when I was growing up, while a lot of you may have been playing sports, I was reading about sports and I was talking about sports, just as I do now. My daughter, Nikki, who is going to turn 20 years old soon, once when she was in preschool, was asked to describe what her father does for a living. And she said, my dad doesn't do sports. He talks about sports. So that's been my lot in life, all of my life. And I remember reading a book when I was a kid called Football Players Do Amazing Things. If you're my age, you may remember that series of books. And the player who caught my eye, they wrote great stories, in particular about one game in which he scored six touchdowns, was Gale Sayers. And my father who was uh, the person from whom I inherited this love of sports and from whom I learned so much of what I know about sports, practically everything I think I know about sports, I learned from my dad. He loved me being a sports announcer, and he listened to the show every day, watched everything I did. And any time we ever talked about running backs, my father would call me, and he would say, if you don't mention Gale Sayers when you talk about running backs, you don't know what you're talking about. People old enough to have seen Gale Sayers will tell you that there has never been anybody better. He did it for a short time because he suffered a terrible knee injury at a time when a terrible knee injury ended your career. If he had been him now, it would have been like Adrian Peterson. It would have cost him a season and he would have come back and he would have been better than ever. And maybe he would have been the greatest running back of all time instead of the youngest Hall of Famer of all time. Gale Sayers went to the Hall of Fame at the age of 34 because he was only able to play in the NFL for seven years, and of those, he really only played five of them. He's dead now at the age of 77. Again, one of the true legends. And Hembo sent me a slew, I mean a slew, of statistics that I just want to read you to give you a sense. If you're younger than, well, look, you, if you're my age, you didn't see Gale Sayers. I hope you know the history of Gale Sayers, and you've no doubt heard of Gale Sayers because of Brian's song. Gail Sayers, when he was playing for the Bears, one of his closest friends was Brian Piccolo, who was one of his teammates on the Bears, who unfortunately, when he was in his 20s, was diagnosed with testicular cancer and died very young, died in his 20s, with Gail Sayers by his side basically every step of the way through his battle. And that relationship became a movie called Brian's Song, in which Billy D. Williams plays Gail Sayers. And there's a moment in that movie and it's taken directly from real life. These things actually all happened. Gail Sayers said it. But I've only ever seen it in the movie when Bri- uh, Billy D. Williams says, I love Brian Piccolo. And I'm telling you right now, we used to on the old show on Mike and Mike, we would have, we remember doing conversations about it. what movie makes you cry every time you see it. If you don't cry when you watch Brian's song, there's something wrong with you. So that's why people know Gail Sayers. But you should know, in addition to that, is that he is one of the greatest players that ever lived. He just unfortunately couldn't do it as long as a lot of others. But listen to some of these numbers. Among Hall of Fame players who debuted in 1960 or later, Sayers played the fewest games with 68. 
No one ever played less and got into the Hall of Fame than Gail Sayers. Nobody averaged more yards per kick return for their NFL career than Sayers. Over 30 yards per return. Gail Sayers had one of the great seasons by any rookie ever. Over 2,200 combined yards, trailing only Tim Brown, who came along 23 years later in a league where they played two more games in a season. Sayers led the season in rushing, led the league in rushing three consecutive years. Only Jim Brown ever did it more. Gail Sayers scored 22 touchdowns in 1965. That's in 14 games. That's a rookie record to this day. And then the day I was talking about, December 12, 1965, Gail Sayers arguably played the greatest game in NFL history in a win over the 49ers in a game that was played at Wrigley Field. He scored six touchdowns, the average of which was 41 yards. He had an 80-yard reception, a 21-yard carry, a 7-yard carry, a 50-yard carry, a 1-yard carry, and an 85-yard punt return. And finally, for his career, Gale Sayers averaged 138 yards per game from scrimmage. That is the most of any player in NFL history to this day. Rest in peace, Gale Sayers, a legend and an icon in the game of football and beyond. I had the great privilege of being in the same room with him on a number of occasions Many of you know that I I grew up in New York, but then I grew up again in Chicago. I went to college and then worked in Chicago in sports broadcasting. And if you combine that, I was in Chicago for 11 years. And during that time that I was covering sports there, I was at quite a few events and that Gail Sayers was there, including one night I remember on a Monday night in the pouring rain, they honored Gail Sayers and Dick Butkus together. And they were both in the press box where I was sitting and I was just staring at the two of them. Larger-than-life figures. Drafted the same year. 1965, the Bears drafted in the same draft. Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus. They never won anything of consequence, but that's one of the great drafts of all time. Anyway, Gale Sayers, dead at the age of 77, deserves the lead spot on every single show that's talking about sports today across the country. Rest in peace to the great Gale Sayers. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. Um, That's where I wanted to begin today. Now I will get to what is one of the strangest stories I think I've ever seen. Shafty just tweeted it a few minutes ago. I'll read it to you directly. The Los Angeles Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung just before kickoff Sunday while trying to administer a pain-killing injection to the quarterback's cracked ribs, league and team sources told our Adam Schefter. The NFLPA, the Players Association, the union, is investigating the medical mishap as well, seeing what steps it should take next. An NFLPA official declined comment. Taylor, as by now you know, did not start Sunday against Kansas City. The rookie Justin Herbert, who I thought acquitted himself very well, got the start on very short notice, and now we know why. I'm reading further into the story. The injection that Taylor received is not entirely uncommon, but it is considered a blind injection and always carries a risk. Still, it is rare that a player suffers a punctured lung from it, especially right before kickoff. Yes, I'd say that's rare. I would say I've been covering pro football for almost 30 years, and I've never been made aware that a player missed a game because his lung was punctured by a team injection administered by a doctor right before kickoff. If never, ever happening means rare then I agree with that. That is a crazy story and a crazy situation and obviously a terrible one. 
We'll see what the union decides to do, and we'll see what the team decides to do, and we'll see how it's handled. Uh, Anthony Lynn, the coach, has said that Tyrod Taylor gets the starting job back, even though a lot of people were surprised by that and confused because you've got the rookie, and he played well, played pretty much well enough to beat Kansas City, which might be the best team in the NFL. A lot of questions about why you wouldn't just give him the ball now. Maybe this is some part of the answer. You don't want a guy to lose his starting job because the doctor punctured his lung with a pregame injection. So that's a crazy story, and we'll see if anything further comes from it today. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Before I get to the basketball here, I want to let you know, as it is indirectly about basketball, my, my, the latest podcast that I have up called I'm Interested with my long-form interviews is with Ahmad Rashad. And we taped it last week. And I listened to it yesterday, and I had forgotten just so many things going on right now. I had forgotten about the story that Ahmad told me, and thus tells you, about Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. It's at the very end of the podcast. And I had forgotten about it, so I called up Nuno before the show, and I said, let's play that today. I want to put this on the radio. So an hour from now, if you can be with us one hour from now, I'm going to play you a story that Ahmad Rashad tells about Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan that I, I think will bring a tear to your eye. It is, it is a remarkable story, and we'll play it for you coming up here. Meanwhile, Nuggets beat the Lakers last night in a game that had my friend Kendrick Perkins furious. Furious. Big Perk loves the Lakers. He loves LeBron. And he was, and these were the opening comments on Get Up this morning, really frustrated with the intensity or lack thereof the Lakers showed with a chance last night to basically put the series away. You cannot disrespect the game by not playing hard. And I thought that's what the Lakers did in the first half. And Denver came out in attack mode. They wasn't ready to go home like Coach Mike Malone said. You look at what Jamal Murray is doing. I think he notched a triple-double last night. Big Jokic doing the inside and out. Jeremy Grant being their unsung hero. So, yes, I was disappointed in the Lakers last night, the way that they played. Not that they lost the game, but it was that they didn't compete at a high level in the first half of that basketball game. Am I surprised that the Lakers lost? Not particularly, I guess. You didn't figure this to be a sweep. Denver is really good. I am surprised the Lakers, with a chance to put this away, did not come out with more intensity. I am. That, that, that was evident. And if all you see today is the box score, you're going to say, oh, LeBron had a 30-point triple-double, and Anthony Davis, I believe, had 29 points. They didn't look good at all. And that game wasn't nearly as close as the final score would indicate. The Lakers had a 21-6 run to start the fourth quarter. They got them back into the game. They were down 20. Nuggets played great, and the Nuggets have two... True superstars. They have a fascinating one-two punch. Jokic has been an all-NBA player for a while, and he is spectacular. And he's playing as well as we've ever seen him play in this bubble. But the guy who has elevated his game to the point that it's ridiculous is Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray has gone from being a very good player to looking right now like a superstar. He has elevated in the bubble. And while I don't expect them to win this series, look, I didn't expect them to beat the Clippers either. And I didn't expect them to come from 3-1 down to beat the Jazz. So they have made a habit of doing things I don't expect. So, yeah, I still think the Lakers will win. I think they'll win in five. But you can't rule these guys out. These Nuggets are something else. I give them a lot of credit. I like watching them play. I like this series. And, oh, by the way, if Anthony Davis doesn't knock down a long clutch three, who knows if the world is the same place. But all other things being equal, Denver's up 2-1 right now. 
Now, I think if Denver had won that game, if it was one up, I think that the Lakers would have come out looking different last night. Things that happen always impact the things that subsequently happen. You can't go back and say, well, if that had not happened, then this would have happened. We, we don't know if everything would have played out the same. But maybe the way to put it is, the Nuggets have played well enough to win two of the three games so far. So who's to say they can't win? Again, I don't expect it. I believe LeBron James wins this series, finds a way to win it, and everyone I know thinks the same. I asked Perk, I asked Jalen, I asked Jay Will, I asked Zach Lowe. All of them this morning on Get Up, all of them still believe the Lakers will win, and none of them seem even remotely hesitant. But I wouldn't put it past Denver the way they've been. I wouldn't put, put practically anything past them right now. In the meantime, I was thinking about the one-two punch that the Nuggets have, and it's an interesting one. Jokic and Murray. What does that mean going forward in the Western Conference? Now, I don't know that when it's all said and done, that kid Porter Jr. isn't going to wind up being the second leg of a one-two punch. He may wind up being the best of them all. He, 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 he really might be as talented as anybody. Time will tell. But if you're just going to look at the one-two punches, the Western Conference of the NBA going forward is going to be unbelievable. Take a look at the one-two punches at West. LeBron and AD. Paul George and Kawhi. Golden State's coming back with the Splash Brothers. Dallas with Porzingis and Luka. Denver with these two guys. Boy, the West is loaded. It just gets better and better. And just going to get harder and harder to win. So it'll be interesting to see what winds up happening in the, in the big picture future of the NBA's Western Conference. What I would say for certain is that in this particular case, they, they, they look like they're making this series more interesting than I expected it to be. And last night, I really did expect the Lakers to come out and take care of business. They had a chance. They could have taken, look, that's a dagger that Anthony Davis throws on Sunday night. For the Nuggets to bounce back from that, they've got some jaw. They just take punch after punch after punch and keep getting up. I give them a lot of credit. Um, I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests like Keyshawn coming up on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. We'll do who you got with Bubba coming up in just a few minutes. My poll question is up on uh, on Twitter at ESPN Greeny. And this one wasn't that interesting. I knew it would be something. I didn't know it would be this. Let me give you a little behind the scenes on the poll question. So going into Monday, I was on a conference call with the staff of GetUp, and I said, I want to put a poll question up. And we'll do, we'll do the 0-2 teams one day, and we'll do the 2-0 teams the next. The Monday night game was New Orleans and Las Vegas. So we knew one of them would be 2-0, and neither one of them could be 0-2. So we did the 0-2 question on Monday. I put that up, and I asked, of all the 0-2 teams, which one do you have the most confidence will still make the playoffs? I got about 30,000 votes on Twitter, and the Houston Texans got more votes than anybody else, but it was fairly well distributed. Yesterday... I put the poll question up again on Twitter at ESPN Greeny, and it's still open. You can still cast your vote on it if you would like. And I said, of all the teams that are 2-0, and which one would you bet right now is not going to make the playoffs? And I listed as the options the Bears, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Bills. I have almost 28,000 votes right now. The Bills have 5% of the vote. The Rams have 6% of the vote. The Cardinals have 12% of the vote. That leaves 77% of the vote for the Monsters of the Midway, for Mitch Trubisky's Chicago Bears. 
So I thought that was interesting, and I called up my friends Waddle and Sylvie yesterday afternoon. They host Afternoons on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And I told them, guys, you're not going to believe the disrespect that the Bears are getting nationally. I try to be their national correspondent. I got Chicago roots, and it's in my blood. So I tried to give them a little heads up. Hey, the country doesn't believe in the Bears. And their response to me was essentially, Greeny, most of the votes are probably coming from here. Nobody is buying in. And so I feel a need to address that. All of this complaining that I'm hearing coming from a town where your team is 2-0. and I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell the people in Philly how bad you feel. For whatever you do, don't tell the people in Minnesota how bad you feel. And under no circumstances should you tell the people in New York how you feel. The New York football fans are 0-4 and hopeless. Hopeless. The Giants have lost their worst, their best player, and the Jets are the worst team in the NFL. The Jets may be the worst team in every sport now. If you, if you put together all of the sports, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, pick the worst team, the Jets are probably that. Through two games, they look it. The Giants aren't that much better with, with the loss of their running back. And the Bears are 2-0. and I actually think the Bears have an upside. And I'll tell you what it is. The Bears' upside can be spelled out in two very simple words. Nick Foles. The Bears are going to make a quarterback change. That seems to me to be a foregone conclusion. The coach wants to play the other quarterback. He told you that before the season started. He said, I'm giving this job to Mitch Trubisky because he's got a chance to prove a lot of people right. He didn't say he wanted to see Mitch prove people wrong. He said he wanted to see him prove people right. He basically came right out and told you. We're starting Mitch Trubisky because we drafted him number two overall in front of two other guys who've had some success. But that's not who the coach really wants to play. And if he doesn't throw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, the first week of the season, Nick Foles is already the quarterback of the Bears. They play Atlanta this week. Atlanta's going to score points. Atlanta's going to score... Atlanta's going to score at least 28 points in that game. Probably more. Do you believe the Bears are going to match that score for score? If not, I think that they start contemplating the change immediately. 2-0 and buys Trubisky a little time, but not a lot. They go to Nick Foles. We've seen it before. People all remember the magical run that Nick Foles had in 2017 when he led the Eagles to an improbable Super Bowl championship with the Philly special and all of that. Everybody forgets the following year in 2018, the Eagles were 5-6. and six. Nick Foles took over for an injured Carson Wentz. He went 4-1 and one down the stretch. Beat the number one defense in the sport in Chicago in the playoffs and should have won the next game. Should have won the next week. And Alshon Jeffrey lets a ball go right through his hands. Otherwise, the Eagles were still playing. For all we know, they would have gone to another Super Bowl. Maybe Foles would still be there now. History gets rewritten a whole bunch of times in sports. That's the way it works. History changes every week. And in a week or two, we could see that change made immediately. So I'll tell you right now, I'm not telling you that I would bet my life that the Bears are going to make the playoffs, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they can't. When they make that quarterback change, I think things might get awfully interesting. So we'll see. And the one thing I'm absolutely certain of is as, as, as a, as a card-carrying member of the fan base of the New York Jets, I'm not interested in hearing how, any, how bad the start has been for any unbeaten teams. But you can cast your vote on my Twitter page. Uh, it'll be up there. Poll stays open for about another hour. At ESPN Greeny, let me know what you think. Again, we'll play a mod a little bit later on Kobe, Michael. We'll do um, Who You Got with Bubba coming up in just a few minutes. And then towards the end of this hour, 
There is one big problem in one of America's favorite sports that has an easy solution that is being overlooked, and I'm not sure I understand it, but it is going to come to the fore this week, and I will dive into that. So we're going to be busy today. I've got a lot to do. I'm delighted that you are with me. Coming up next, one NFL coach made a huge mistake this weekend, hasn't gotten nearly enough attention, but we will change that. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right. I'll say it. Who you got? Greeny back with you at half past the hour on ESPN Radio. My man Bubba is standing by. He's going to give me some options on a couple of the big questions around the world of sports, and I will tell him who I've got. Hello, Bubba. Hello. What's up? Well, you tell me. You're the one with all the questions. I am. I'm ready to go. Are you? I'm, I am I was born ready. Hashtag Bubba. Let's right, do it. Perfect. Well, who you got brought to you by Granger. They're ready to go as well. So we'll start in the NBA. Adam Silver has said the NBA's next season won't be starting until 2021. Originally, they were hoping for a Christmas time start, and normally, as we know, the season begins in October. But if it's up to you, and you're deciding, when should all the NBA seasons begin? Who you got? So what you're asking me is not under these circumstances, meaning not Correct. this coming year, but in general, when do I think you is the You are now in start? charge of the NBA. When would, when would you start the NBA season? I think I would leave it pretty much where it is, and I will tell you why. I think for a while there was a feeling that if they started it at Christmas or a little closer to Christmas and played it into the summer, I know Mark Cuban has talked about this, that, that, that fans would be good, that the television habits have changed so much, summertime is no longer a bad thing for TV, all of that. There was a lot of momentum among a lot of people whose opinions I value that they should move the start of it back to Christmas, which is when people for the most part start paying attention anyway, and take the NBA Finals all the way into the summer. If there's one thing I think we've learned from this experience is that it is t- it takes a lot of getting used to people having their sports calendar changed. I think that the rhythm of things is being impacted has has played a role in people just not knowing when they're supposed to be expecting things. My inclination is to say, for the purposes of the answer to this question, Bubba, I'd leave it basically where it is. I, I would want the finals to be where they are, so you back it up from there. If you could shorten the season, I would always be in favor of that. I believe they play too many games. I would start it at Christmas and end it in June, but I know that isn't going to happen. So if the schedule is going to be 82 games, I would leave it exactly where it is. Hashtag Bubba, what's next? All right, to the NFL, and Cam Newton's gone off to a nice little start in New England, and despite only making around a million this year, although it can get up to over seven, it's a one-year deal. So if you're the Patriots, 
Are you thinking long-term contract? Are you going to wait it out? Who you got? Well, I'm glad you asked me this because I asked this question to our insider, Dan Graziano, on TV this morning, and here's what he told me. This is the perfect business arrangement. Cam and the Patriots. Cam has described it as a match made in heaven, and it is. The Patriots needed exactly what Cam is bringing them. Cam needed exactly what he's getting from New England. Right now, they should just both let it ride. Let it ride, because Cam, with every good performance, is making more and more and more money in his next deal, wherever it may be. And the Patriots, when it's all said and done, may wind up finding themselves in another Super Bowl. So I think there's no reason to rush anything further. I think it benefits them both to stay right where they are. Right now, this is a perfect match. I would just let it ride and leave it right where it is. Hashtag Bubba, what's next? All right, let's go back to Sunday. We had Chiefs Chargers playing in OT, and the Chargers, they had a fourth and one on their own 34 Anthony Lynn decides to punt it. Kansas City gets it. Mahomes drives down the field. They kick a field goal. Game over. So did Anthony Lynn make the right call and it just didn't work out? Or should he have gone for it? Who you got? Uh, To me, this one is a no-brainer. And I'm glad you brought this up. Because we didn't get into this on Monday. And now that we find out this crazy story about Tyrod Taylor, for those of you just joining us, Shefty reporting that the reason Tyrod Taylor was scratched right before the game with a mysterious chest injury is that he received a pain-killing injection from the team doctor just before the game was starting, and it punctured his lung, which is one of the strangest stories I've ever heard. That said, Anthony Lynn made absolutely, positively, the wrong decision. There are very few hard, fast rules in life, but one of them is don't give the ball to Patrick Mahomes in overtime. Simple as that. He's on his own 30-yard line. Go for it. You give the ball to Mahomes, he's going to beat you. Doesn't matter if you give it to him on your own 10 or on the opposing 10. Patrick Mahomes is going to beat you. You have to play that game like you have to win it on that possession. The only way to coach, and for those of you who are watching on TV on ESPN News, you're also seeing that on the the previous third down play, Mike Williams ran that route short of the sticks. Rex Ryan was very critical of that on Monday. You have to get the first down on that out route. The quarterback, the kid, Herbert, throws a nice ball in there. It leaves them one yard short. And instead of going for it, Anthony Lynn punts the ball to Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes beats him because that's what Patrick Mahomes does. You don't give the ball to Patrick Mahomes in overtime. I believe he made the wrong choice. Go for it on your own 30-yard line because if you punt it away, you're going to lose no matter where the ball is. Hashtag Bubba with who you got. What's next? All right. Yesterday you tweeted at ESPN Greeny, which of these 2-0 teams would you bet to miss the playoffs? The Bears, the Bills, the Rams, and the Cardinals. So we'll pose the question to you now. Who you got? So I spent a good deal of the beginning of this show telling you that I believe the Bears are much better situated than I feel like their fans think they are. I believe the Bears will make a quarterback change. I think they will be better when they do. I think the Bears the Bears have a good chance. Now, that said, on this poll, I would put them fourth. So I would pick them. I believe the Bills will make it. The Bills are really good. I believe the Cardinals will make it. They're really good. It comes down to the Bears and the Rams. We're going to learn something about the Rams this week. They're going to Buffalo. This is the first really good defense that Josh Allen will see. So the loser of that game, if it's one-sided might wind up being the one that you consider. For the purposes of this conversation, though, Bubba, to give you a direct answer, I would pick the Bears. I do think of all of them, the one likeliest to miss the playoffs is the Bears. I just don't think it should have been 80% of the vote. You got one more? Yeah, I can't imagine old Stace is pleased with that answer. (laughs) She is not pleased. She was the one who was actually pointing out to me yesterday, everyone is voting for the Bears. 
Because she voted and it pops up. Like, I don't see it until, it's, you know, she voted and right. then it pops up and then I saw that it was 80% of the vote. Well, Not happy. Well. Not my fault. Well, should have left him out. You know what? You want to hear a funny thing? The One of the producers of Get Up, who I was talking to about the poll, right after I posted it, he didn't know I had posted it, Steve Gross, he called me and he said, Greeny, maybe we should put the Raiders in there instead of the Bears because the Bears are too obvious of an answer. And I said, don't be silly. It's going to be close. <laughs> yeah. That was 80% of the vote. Nice. All right, we got one more to the NBA. The Bulls hired Billy Donovan yesterday, so that's one more job opening. Phil, but let's just say you're Mike D'Antoni and the 76ers, the Pacers, the Thunder, and Pelicans remain open. So where would you go if you're Mike? Who you got? Oh, that's good. Pacers, Thunder, Pelicans. Who am I forgetting? Oh, Sixers. Sixers, yep. Sixers to me, too much, too much, no. Don't like it. I wouldn't. Do, I would say New Orleans. I would say of those teams, I'd go Pelicans. The problem with the Pelicans, the firing of Alvin Gentry still doesn't sit well with me. And I've never met Alvin Gentry in my life. So I'm not personally offended by it. But it seems to me you put him in a box and then you fire him for staying inside the box. The answer to their problems this year was play Zion more. And they refused to play him more. And then they fired the coach for not winning enough games to get them into the playoffs. So to me, if you're going to have to keep with this minutes restriction with Zion, that becomes a little bit less appealing of a job. That said, they got a bunch of good young players there. Zion and Ingram and Alonzo. That's a good team. I will take, if you're asking me who I got, I got the New Orleans Pelicans as the most appealing job. Baba, well done. All right, it's Who You Got, brought to you by Granger. As you get back to business, Granger is there to help with supplies and solutions for every industry, safety, recovery guides, 24-7 support, and more. Visit Granger.com slash recovery. Well done, hashtag Bubba. If you ever miss any of our show, by the way, I want to let you know that it goes up as a podcast every day. Bubba does that. You get each hour individually, so it's like two little podcasts in one. You can listen to the first hour, listen to the second hour, whenever you like. You can catch up anytime, literally anywhere you get your podcast, you're there. It usually goes up about an hour after we're done. Hashtag Greeny is the name of the podcast, and you can check it out anytime you want, anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, I'm told Michael Wilbon is going to jump in here next. Michael Wilbon, who is from Chicago and loved Gail Sayers. I heard him talking about Gail on uh, SportsCenter. We will get Michael Wilbon here with his remembrance in just a moment. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny with you. Time for Straight Talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. There were two players. All the years that I was doing talk shows that my father was alive, there were two players you'd always bring up to me whenever I talked about the greatest running back or the greatest basketball player. He would, If we talked about basketball, my father would always say, if you don't mention Oscar Robertson, then you don't know what you're talking about. And when it came to football... He would always say, if you don't talk about Gale Sayers, you don't know what you're talking about. That's what my father would say to me. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Let's talk to a man who grew up watching Gale Sayers and, and spoke so eloquently about him on SportsCenter earlier. Delighted to welcome my friend Michael Wilbon on the Shell Penzoil performance line. Mike, thank you for doing this. What, uh, what are your thoughts today? For, for people who never got a chance to see Gale Sayers, how would you describe how good a player he was? Um, I feel for them that they didn't get to see Gale Sayers. I got to see Gale Sayers. I was very young. I was seven years old when he got drafted, six actually. Uh, the, the, the most prized piece of memorabilia I have, Greeny, is something that Tony Kornheiser got for me. He was in a golf tournament with Gale some years ago, and Sayers turned to Tony and said, I don't believe I was Wilbon's idol. Wilbon's idol, like he says on television all the time. And Tony says, no, no, you and Buckus were very much that. And Gale arranged through his wife, for me to receive a photo of the day they were drafted mm. uh, and put on uniforms, they were introduced to Chicago. Um, they were Buckus was on his knee, I guess, and looking into the camera, and Sayers was leaning on Buckus, Buckus's shoulders, looking into the camera. And I have that photo signed, an original photo signed by each of them to me. Mm. Easily the most valued, you know, easily the most valued piece of anything related to sports that I have. And um, Gail Sayers was like nobody playing. No, nobody playing today is like Gail Sayers. There was a touch of Barry Sanders. There was a touch of young Saquon Barkley, you know, which great irony with him getting hurt that way in Chicago on Sunday. But did no one, no one, no one, no one was like Sayers. And that's the reason he's in the Hall of Fame with such a short career. He, he had such an impression. People don't, people go to numbers. They don't, they're not, you know, my biggest complaint, I got many about subsequent generations younger than me, is too many of them don't know how to gauge impact on a game. What is the impact you have? Not just the yards. Do you demoralize your opponent? Do you, do you, can you put away games by yourself? And, you know, he, he just he couldn't play long enough because the injury he suffered, you know, they found Barkley got injured. Sunday in Soldier Field, and I was wearing a Gale Sayers jersey. People mm. can look at it actually on my Instagram page. Um, posted a picture of me telling my son, he said, Dad, what's the difference? You said Saquon Barkley can come back. How come Mr. Sayers couldn't come back? And I said, because we weren't there yet in terms of medicine and technology and uh, rehabilitation and treatment. We weren't there. That, that injury brought it into your career, and Gale played again, but he wasn't the same. But he was, <laughs> I thought that I was. I thought that those of us who were young when Gale Sears got hurt, I thought we got a raw deal. You know how you sort of make everything personal when you're a kid about mm-hmm. your team's greenie? Yeah. I thought I just thought we got cheated. 
And then three years after he retired, we get Walter. And it felt like a, a mulligan. It felt like the world's greatest mulligan that I got to then see Walter Payton. And the two of them were nothing alike in terms of running style. But I got to see, you know, two of, I don't know, certainly of the 10 great running backs in that whole top 100 player thing, both Payton and Sayers were in it. And um, it's just, I got to know him as an adult. He was the last of my heroes that I got to meet, the very last one. And people say you shouldn't meet your heroes. Well, <laughs> in my case, they were very wrong. I, I enjoyed uh, the last 10 years of getting to know Gail Sayers, of being in his company, of him asking me to host his charity event a couple of times. It was just he's an extraordinary man, and I'm, I'm just beyond sad today. Uh, it's beautifully said. Very quickly, because I only have a minute here, unfortunately, Michael, but but the, the, the Brian Song piece of it, I think, is where so many came to know him because that movie became so iconic and Billy D. Williams and James Caan and everything else. How about that piece of, of Gail Sayers' life? Yeah, it was one of the first made-for-TV movies. I thought it was the first. It's not the first. I looked it up recently. But it was one of the first. And that friendship with Brian Piccolo, I mean, we take that that friendship was not taken for granted. And one of the irresistible things about that friendship was uh, a, a white Southerner, you know, and a black kid from the Midwest, Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. I think they were roommates on the road or certainly during training camp. And they were genuine friends. And I have only watched that movie twice because I can't watch it without breaking down and mm-hmm. sobbing. Uh, and so I just don't watch it. <laughs> and I, I, I mentioned to, my, to Matthew the other day, I said, we should watch Brian's song. He says, well, Dad, you, why haven't you mentioned it before now? And I said, I can't get through it. And so I don't know how I'll ever get through it now. But it, it just, Gail Sears was a man. He looked 15 years younger, Greeny, than he was. He looked like he didn't, he didn't look any different than he was when he was friends with Brian Piccolo. And we're talking 50 years ago, more than 50. Yep. So it was, um, you know, we've known, this is, we've, we've known that, that Gail was not well. This is not a surprise, but it's still sad to tell. Michael, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much, my friend. I'll talk to you soon on a happier day. I agree. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. You're the best. Michael Wilbon with me here on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. That's Again, that's the difference in our ages. He's about 10 years older than I am, so he got a chance to see Sayers. I never saw him. Sayers would have retired when I was, they went to the Hall of Fame in 1977, so he would have retired when I was just a kid. Um, but um, he, there's no question, he is a legendary figure in that movie, is one that if you can sit through it without crying, I can't decide if you're, if you're stronger than I am or if there's something very wrong with you. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Anyway, Keyshawn Johnson will join me coming up next year. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what uh, Deion Sanders said on First Take and a whole lot more. It's a busy day. And Keyshawn will join me next. You're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.